going on, everybody? Welcome to a uh, what will assuredly be a raspy edition of Ornithologically Correct. Uh, those dulcet tones you are hearing are from yours truly, Josh Lynn. I have just arrived home from Baltimore late last night after going to games one and two myself at Camden Yards. And I am finally back and emotionally prepared to recap what's happened so far. Obviously not the results that were wanted. Down 2-0, headed into game three, going into Texas. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, this can happen in the playoffs sometimes, and uh, the Rangers are really good. Uh, I think their kind of downfall at the end of the season there, uh, blowing the division, kind of made us forget that. But, yeah, this team can hit. They got some guys that can pitch, and when their bullpen isn't blowing saves like they have been, they, uh, they are very good. Um, but despite the results, it was – awesome to be back in Camden Yards for the play playoffs in a, in a playoff atmosphere again. First time I have personally been back since game one of the ALDS against Detroit in 2014. So a nine-year absence. It was really good to get get back. Uh, the, the atmosphere was incredible. You, uh, everybody showed up and showed out. It was super loud in there. Uh, and even, you know, throughout game one, even though we were trailing most of the way, the, the crowd was, we were constantly trying to get them back in it and uh there was never any any sort of uh lull or a real moment of of silence or anything like that um game two was a little bit different because of the circumstances but even still when the orioles were able to get some runs back it was able to, the crowd uh, was you know starting to bubble again and and get back into it just didn't didn't get that uh that reason to go nuts and really explode i think like we all wanted to but uh, everybody brought it, uh, couldn't ask for a better atmosphere. Um, despite the, the slight rain delay in game one, the weather was perfect for it. Got a little chilly game too, but, uh, that's to be expected during this time of year. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome to get back and hopefully, um, we'll have some ALCS games to attend, but, uh, now time to get into the thick of it. Time to, time to break down everything that happened post-mortem. Let's, Start with game one, which is a uh, 3-2 loss for the Baltimore Orioles. Got started in the fourth inning when Evan Carter doubled in, excuse me, doubled in a run. Uh, excuse me, I just had a blank there. Uh, the last run was scored by a Josh Young home run, which eventually ended up being the game-winning run. Uh, the Orioles got runs from a My Ryan Mountcastle double and an Anthony Santander home run. Uh, had some chances late in the later innings. Had some runners in scoring position. Lead off, lead off men on. Uh, unfortunately, nothing came to it uh, to fruition there as far as run scoring. And then obviously the uh, Gunnar Henderson getting caught stealing there in the in the bottom of the ninth with with none out was uh, you could kind of tell that that was the air kind of left at that point and you know our chance to to tie the game is probably had probably gone um but you know starting from the beginning Kyle Bradish he looked incredible to you know just everything that he has been this year he was for those first three and three plus innings and then ran into trouble there in the uh in the fourth and it really wasn't even guys you would expect like Seeger and Semyon uh, it was mostly the the middle and bottom of the lineup that got to him. Um, 
you know, Evan Carter, who they did move up in the lineup a little bit, uh, who destroyed the Rays and, and their series inflicted pain upon us. Uh, you have Robbie Grossman get on base. You had uh, Young down there getting getting on base. Uh, Leody Tavares. So, uh, yeah, guys that you would not expect. Um, and then once the lineup rolled over for a third time, you had a feeling that Bradish's pitches were numbered. But um, I thought he, he maybe could have finished the fifth inning. Um, but then again, you know, he did get hit hard in that fourth inning. And then with, like I said, the lineup turning over a third time, you you could could have been playing with fire there. Um, but it's not, I don't think Hyde deserves any criticism for that. Um, especially, you know, playoff games are, are managed so much differently and the hook is so much shorter. So I, I understand, um, a little disappointed for, to not get a little extra length given how, how great he came out looking. Uh, but this is a good offense and they will, they will get to pitchers. They'll run pitch counts up. So you, you know, no surprise there. Um, and then the, the bullpen, other than Jacob Webb, who gave up the home run to Young, did their jobs, came in and and put zeros up and kept the Orioles in the game. And uh, it just came down really to to the offense there. Um, just wasn't able, weren't able to get get the timely hits. Um, I, I really thought because uh, I know the, the big narrative that I kept uh, harping on heading into the series was the Rangers bullpen and the fact that they blown 33 saves and uh Chapman when he came in in the eighth uh I thought thought that was happening he looked like he couldn't find the strike zone first two guys get on uh and then Santander uh, grounds into the double play uh which kind of took the air out of things uh left left a runner stranded on third was unable to get him in and I'm yeah I'm sorry my my voice is struggling already uh yeah, this is going to I'm going to try and keep this one as abbreviated as possible for the sake of my voice box. Um, the other other storylines in that coming out of that game were the. Obviously, the, the decision in the ninth inning, which. Uh, appears to be a missed hit and run, uh, looks like Aaron Hicks may have missed that call. The even still, I, I don't like tempting fate there and testing Jonah Heim because he is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Um, it just, especially in that situation. And I, I do understand wanting to, to get the runner advanced, but to test Heim, I don't know is the best way to do that. Um, although obviously if there's a missed hit and run that factors into it too, um, because if the ball's in play, the runner advances and Hicks is likely out at first. So you have a runner at second with one out. So just an unfortunate situation all around. I don't think it, I don't know. I, I don't want to throw blame around. It's just a, just a really unfortunate situation for a team that's been so effective and really has played the right way this year. And there really haven't been any gaffes of that nature, but that, you know, with a, a sold out crowd getting, getting super loud. I can see maybe communication becoming more difficult. Um, and yeah, just, just a really, really poor, poor timing. Um, and the only other thing I think that, 
that has been a hot button issue was the decision to uh, take out Jordan Westberg immediately once Andrew Heaney was pulled for Dane Dunning uh, and to replace him with Adam Frazier. Uh, this is the one decision that I will not uh, defend. I, I don't understand the fact that um, Hyde has been has kind of made certain platoon decisions into this binary choice wherein it's okay. There's a right-handed pitcher got to bring the left-handed batter. Okay. Left-handed pitcher got to bring in the righty. Uh, and I think there just needs to be a little bit more nuance in that goes into those decisions. Um, especially in this specific one, because like, yeah, Frazier's the lefty. He's an established major league player, but the, the gulf in stats between them is not, is not wide enough to me to justify making this choice just to, and to take him out in the fourth inning. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so Frazier this year had a 709 OPS against right-handed pitchers and Westberg in uh, was 146 plate appearances in the major leagues against uh, lefties had a 676 OPS. So it's really you know, a 30 point difference to me is just not that, that much of a, an issue to to make it such a binary choice. And then when you look at Westberg's minor league numbers in Norfolk uh, in 198 plate appearances against right-handed pitchers, he had a 1.034 OPS. So the dude can hit. Um, and it's, just, I'd just rather keep the bat in the hands of the guy that always hits the ball hard. And that is not Adam Frazier's strong suit. Um, just Westberg does nothing but hit the ball hard. He's shown that he can hit righties. And it's also a, a matter to me of, you know, Frazier likely won't be back next year and doesn't have a future here. Westberg very much has a future here. Uh, he has, you know, at least five years after this. So in that situation, and I'm not, I'm not saying you should turn playoff games into training exercises, but at the same time, he's shown he's capable enough that I think he could have produced later in that game. So that was the one disappointing takeaway from game one. Um, but at the same, at the same time, I don't wouldn't point to it and say this specifically cost us the game. Um, definitely think it may have lowered our win expectancy a bit, but uh, you know, again, our pitching did the job. They limited the Rangers offense to three runs and it was in the Orioles hitters court and, you know, it just didn't work out this time. And, uh, you know, that'll happen. Um, but after game one, um, you know, it was the mood leaving Camden Yards was obviously not upbeat, but it was also a sense of, you know, OK, we didn't they didn't play, you know, didn't play bad by any stretch. Uh, the pitching did well. So, you know, we have every reason to believe that the Orioles will come out and even this even this series up tomorrow. And, you know, it'll be a, a fresh new series again. Um, now didn't go that way as we move into game two, which was an 11, eight Rangers victory, uh, game was not that close throughout the Aaron Hicks three run home run in the bottom of the ninth off of Jose Leclerc, uh, made it look much better. Uh, and it's a testament to the guys for not giving up and continuing to fight throughout the game. Um, Gunnar Henderson also homered his first postseason home run hit a absolute shot out to the flag court. Uh, and yeah, this one was disappointing for 
different different set of reasons and circumstances. You had Grayson Rodriguez making his postseason debut. Uh, dude's been killing it the second half. We we're eager to see what he could do. Uh, unfortunately, just had some issues finding the strike zone and also putting the Rangers offense away when he did get to two strike counts. Um, and again, part of that is the Rangers offense being very good. Uh, excuse me. Part of that is the Rangers offense being very good, but he was also having difficulty throwing strikes there and um, didn't really give Brandon Hyde much of a choice, but to take him out in the second inning, uh, just the the decisions afterwards to uh, replace uh, Coulomb after he finished the second inning uh, with Baker. Um, it was strange, but a product of the lack of bullpen depth the Orioles have right now. Um, you know, Brian Baker wasn't on the, the roster to finish the season. He was in Norfolk. So to put him into that position was a little bit strange. I, I'm, I maybe would have just started Jack Flaherty in the third. And I know that Flaherty has not been good for us. And he had his own issues finding the strike zone once he did, once he did come in, but uh, Baker did not look good in his last few appearances before he went down to Norfolk. And then bringing in Jacob Webb, who gave up the home run the day before, putting him into that situation, I I personally wouldn't have done. But again, it, there's only so many options. But um, it just, I don't know. I think it, it would have been better to put him in a, a situation where the bases were clear and to kind of give him a... Uh, an easier opportunity to regain his confidence, but then to come in and give up that grand slam to Mitch Garver. Uh, it was just, it was the, the final blow of, of game two. Um, and, you know, again, the offense did make a valiant effort at coming back, but a, a nine or a seven run deficit, it was nine to two at that point is, is incredibly difficult to come back from even, even though, you know, they, they got to Jordan, the Orioles hitters got to Jordan Montgomery. Uh, that was, the main concern heading in was would they get hits off of him because he pitched so well against Tampa and the Orioles have had their struggles against lefties, but they did everything they, they could have done. They got his pitch count up. Uh, he was close to 20 average and 20 pitches an inning and, you know, was pulled relatively early for Cody Bradford. Um, but that, uh, that, second and third inning sequence where we allowed nine runs in the two innings. It was just, it was just too much to overcome. Um, and this is kind of, I know Felix Batista's injury uh, gets a lot of discussion and, and John means having that elbow soreness, uh, you know, pop up right before the series, which rendered him unavailable were significant blows. But here I was thinking, man, we, this is where we could have used guys like Michael Gibbons and Dylan Tate to just give Brandon Hyde more options and to make it easier to get, get through a game in a situation like that, where Grayson isn't pitching well, uh, like Tate was arguably the Orioles second or third best reliever last year, uh, had his sinker was one of the best pitches in baseball, uh, just to have him could potentially, you know, get four or five outs in an appearance, not having that option was rough. And then Gibbons hasn't been, what we what we saw from him back when he was an Oriole in his first stint, another guy that can pitch multiple innings and has a propensity to strike people out. 
you know, I, I think they would have been better options than Webb and Baker, but um, unfortunately, yeah, every, I mean, every team deals with injuries. We saw it with the Rays, they got decimated. So it's not an excuse by any means, but it just to have those guys available for Hyde to choose from, um, it would have been, it would have been really nice. And it just, uh, again, this, and then, you know, with Flaherty, not even being a starting pitching option and then Fujinami not even being on the postseason roster um, underscores how disappointing the trade deadline was. kind of wish Mike Elias would have went out and acquired another starting pitch or uh, not another starting pitcher, sorry, but another, another higher end bullpen arm. Um, like I always said, you know, Fujinami was a, a lottery ticket worth buying uh, his upside. We saw his upside when he was on, he was dominant. Um, but having him as your lone bullpen acquisition uh, was a little bit risky. And, you know, I know we're playing the results right now after a 101 win season where we won the division, but um, just to have additional depth would have been nice. And, um, you know, and that's not really a criticism of Elias because a lot of the the pitching acquisitions uh, that happened during the trade deadline didn't really work out. Like Michael Lorenzen wasn't on the Phillies postseason roster. Um, Aaron Savali didn't start for the Rays, and I think they were probably expecting him to be someone that they could that they could throw in a, a game two, game three situation. So it wasn't just the Orioles; it was just a kind of a product of the players that were available at the deadline. Um, but uh, hopefully, this kind of uh, makes the the sense of urgency. Uh, heightened for the front office when they go into the offseason um, because they there are some clear areas that uh, that need some attention if we want to really cement ourselves as a, a, a perennial World Series contender. Um, and there's no. Um, and I know, you know, there's a doom and gloom with whether John Angelos will allow that expenditure to happen. Um, and obviously it's not a it's not an illegitimate concern. Uh, it's just, um, it's, I don't want to, like, we haven't been in this position yet. So it's hard to, to say, oh, they definitely won't do this or definitely won't, or will do this. Um, and there has been precedent in the past that the Orioles ownership has given increased uh, payroll flexibility when the team is is competitive. Um, our payroll, I think, was like $170 million in 2016. So hopefully that repeats itself. Um, there's going to be some some natural increases with with payroll now that guys are hitting their arbitration years, but we're also shedding a little bit with if Gibson and Frazier don't come back and Fujinami as well. So the financial flexibility is there. We have more minor league guys coming. Um, not pitchers, obviously, but Jackson Holiday is going to be up next year. Hopefully we get full years out of, uh, you know, some other guys that have come up this year. So, yeah, I mean, long term, uh, you know, still no reason to be pessimistic. But in terms of this series, uh, yeah, I mean, the Orioles could very well come back and win three games. We've seen them do this before. We've seen their bats get hot. We've seen them string three really good starts together. So it's possible. Uh, and this bullpen, the Rangers bullpen, I'm still waiting for for them to have a true blow up. I know LeClerc gave up the three run home run, but uh, they've been, you know, the other guys that have come in have 
have been stellar. And I just, just the, the larger sample of the regular season makes me feel like they're due for a, a truly disastrous um, game. So I don't think this is going to end in a sweep. I really don't. I think the Orioles are going to get a game. I, you know, it's going to be really freaking hard for them to win this series. And if you had to ask me to put money on it, I probably would not, but they're still good. Uh, this, as much as this sucks, um, we shouldn't let it take away too much from everything that's happened this season, which has been incredible. The the growth that's been shown from pretty much every young player. Um, and it, you know, while, it's it's not a guarantee that this team is going to be perennially successful. They're set up as well as you possibly could be. So um, I know, like, I try to try to maintain perspective as much as I can, um, and it's it just feels a lot different than it did. Like I was, twenty fourteen was a huge bummer because you could tell that there was some cracks being papered over. Uh, in terms of the major league, uh, major league team. And, you know, you could see that got like Cruz was a free agent. Marquez was a free agent. Um, and then there were guys like, uh, Bud Norris who had statistically career best seasons where, um, the underlying stats kind of showed that he was a bit lucky. Um, it, it just felt like that was our best chance. And they they couldn't take advantage. Whereas this, um, I don't think this is going to end up being their best chance. I think they're still going to be uh, in the next coming years going to be going to be getting better. Even if they don't add significant free agents on the offensive side, I think just the natural improvement of all of our young hitters is going to is going to keep our offense at an elite level. Um, it just depends on how ownership and, and the front office approaches rebuilding this pitching staff because there's not a ton of help uh, coming from the minors. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, as much as I felt horrible leaving the ballpark after game two and uh, how down I was, it's just uh, you got to try to maintain perspective and, and understand that, you know, the Rangers are really good. They they ran that the ALS for most of the season and they were considered a world series favorite. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I think the fact that they kind of faltered a bit down the stretch, uh, kind of made people lose sight of how good they truly are. Um, but the teams around them that closed the gap in Seattle and Houston were also awesome teams. So, um, it's just, yeah, when you get into the playoffs, you're even with this expanded uh, format, which has been much maligned over the past couple of days, uh, you're going to face a good team. And this, you know, this is going to happen. But I, I think our the Orioles' best days are ahead still. So, um, and I know I'm kind of, I'm talking like the season's over. Uh, it's technically not. Um, but I mean, if the, the Braves got shut out and they have, I think they have the best offense since the 27 Yankees statistically. So yeah, just weird shit happens in the, in the playoffs. So, um, and, you know, moving to kind of more general, uh, 
just Major League Baseball talk. I did want to touch on that that playoff format argument because uh, a lot of people have been citing the the Braves' performance as a reason why this this format is unfair, and I think that's a little misguided. Uh, I just no no team is ever going to turn down an opportunity to have five days off, um, and I just I I don't think rust is an issue. Like these teams have workouts, they throw they have sim games in between you know during this buy time buy period. Um, I just can't imagine them losing their feel for the game that quickly to the point where it's completely debilitating to their postseason chances. It just doesn't add up to me. Uh, and there's also been you know, situations where like the 2021 Braves, they won their division. They had that by, they won the world series. You know, the Astros won the division last year, had a buy, they won the world series. So I, I think that that part of it's overstated. Now I do think it could have some tweaks like the seating, especially like it, it's it, like being the number one seed is not the advantage that I think it should be just because of how, it's set up to where the uh, the third division winner plays the worst wild card team. I think that's a little a little sketchy and something that they should look into to tweaking. Um, but aside from reseeding, I, I don't think the system needs any immediate tweaks. I think it works fine. I like that the wild card series is a best of three now and not as random as a a one game sample. Um, now it's a little un I wouldn't say unfair to the, to the away team because they don't get a single road game in that series, but that's a legitimate advantage that being a higher seeded team gets you. And I think that's fine. Um, and I think this, just the reaction is, is very overblown and, and completely specific to the Braves because everybody just expected them to roll through everybody. Um, forgetting that the Phillies are also really freaking good and made it to the world series. And while their, their offense isn't historically great to the lengths that the Braves is, it's also really freaking good and has, you know, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Schwarber in it. Um, so like those teams are more evenly matched than people think, especially with uh, Charlie Morton not being available this round uh, from a pitching standpoint. So I, I think it's incredibly overblown. Um, but yeah, the only thing I that would be, I think, a, an immediate worthy of an immediate change is is to reseed. But um, and, and maybe if you want to make the the division series best of seven, I wouldn't hate it either. Um, but it, it, yeah, I don't I don't think we need to revert back to the old system where there's a one game wild card. Um, I think this is fine, just with a little bit of tweaks. So. Um, and then just moving on to some other other general observations. Uh, holy Diamondbacks, right? Um, cannot believe that they got to the Dodgers like that. I was expecting the Dodgers to to sweep that series. I thought the Diamondbacks were going to get swept by Milwaukee, uh, but they they've been some they've been pesky. Uh, their offenses come alive. They've gotten production from guys that uh, you wouldn't expect it from, and then to get uh, I know it's not prime Clayton Kershaw, but to, to get him out in the first inning uh, is in, incredible. Uh, did not see that coming at all. And I'm curious to see how the rest of that series 
works out because I know the the Dodgers haven't pitched as you would expect the Dodgers to pitch this year. But um, I, yeah, I just Diamondbacks surely can't keep doing this, right? I just I can't can't see it. Um, and then moving on to that other NLDS, uh, yeah, like I said, the Phillies are really good. Um, and I said this before the series, like if you would have told me that the betting odds would have been a pick'em, uh, I would not be surprised because uh, these two teams can hit. They both have really good pitching. The Phillies bullpen has been outstanding. And then the defense, uh, that, that double play that Trey Turner turned, I still, I don't understand how he did that. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought best case a run would score and he'd get the out at second. But the fact that he made that flip and then credit to Bryson Stott for the, the throw too, because it was a dart and it was right at Bryce Harper's glove. But that was an outstanding double play. Uh, and uh, to to shut out the Braves, like, I feel like you should honestly, like, if you if you shut this Braves offense out, you should just win the World Series. Like, I think we should just end the playoffs because that I didn't think that was possible. Um, but the Phillies somehow managed to do it. And uh, yeah, I I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the series. And I don't think it's because of the format. I think it's because they're good. Uh, and I'm, that's probably my my series to watch out of the other than the 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 uh, Orioles Rangers ALDS, of course, the the rest of this this round. Um, and then moving to the other AL series, uh, shout out to Carlos Correa. He had a really poor offensive year, uh, dealt with injuries which have also kind of sapped his defensive ability, but he has shown out so far in this playoffs and has been uh, such a boost to that offense on top of Royce Lewis, who's been crushing it Uh, just to to see him come back to Houston and do that. It's got to, got to feel good for him. Uh, And, you know, I, uh, yeah, it got getting way more out of the twins offense than was expected. And then Pablo Lopez, has been just completely dominant. Uh, he was a guy, Orioles Twitter was hoping that we would be able to get him last year, but the the Mar- or, uh, the Twins came in and had a package that surely the Orioles could not beat. And uh, that's a, it's a weird situation. Like, gotta love a trade where both, both teams end up happy. The Marlins get a rise who wins the batting title and the Twins get a dude who is a horse for them in the playoffs. Uh, always love when that happens. So um, twins will be a, a fun team to root for going forward. I don't know if they'll be able to, to win three against the Astros, but they have put forth a much better performance than, than I was anticipating them to put forth. Um, and that's, that's really all I have so far today. Curious, uh, nervous, curious to see how game three goes, uh, excited in a morbid kind of way, but um we got to reverse the juju. That was an absolute horrid sports day for me. Uh, so started with Arsenal beating Man City with a deflection uh, of a goal in, I think, like the 86th minute. Then we ran right into Raven Steelers, and we all know how that went. And then right into the Orioles getting smacked around by the Rangers. So uh, I now know what hell is like. I don't have to visit it ever again. And I'm good if I never had to visit it ever again. That was, that was pretty rough. 
Um, oh, and Bubba Wallace got eliminated from the NASCAR playoffs. So yeah, hell of a day for me. Um, but no, I, I, like I said, keep the faith as, as hard as it is. And I am an, a natural pessimist. So trust me, it is hard. Uh, but this team is good. If, you know, they can get three together, the, the Rangers bullpen, I'm telling you they're they're due for a bad game. So, uh, not all hope is lost, but, um, yeah, just nothing, nothing, nothing to do but hope and hope game three goes a lot better, but until next time, which will probably be when the series is over, uh, I'll kind of recap it. And then we'll also head into the, the two league championship series and break those down as well. So I will be back at the conclusion of the division series until then go O's follow me as I poorly point to my Chiron again. Uh, you can follow the show page at the underscore OC underscore podcast. You can follow myself at JJLINNJJ. And then you can find my podcast on any major podcast service under the name of the Pesky Podcast. I am a part of their network and my episodes will show up in their show feed. Uh, you can also search for the episodes individually and they will pop up that way. But uh, and then if you have any any questions, criticisms, anything you want me to answer or address in a future episode, please feel free to respond to either of my Twitter accounts and shoot me the question, or you can use the hashtag, the OC podcast, no spaces. Uh, but yeah, until next time, I have been Josh Lynn. This has been Ornithologically Correct. Thank you for dealing with my voice. I am going to go drown myself in honey and tea. So uh, yeah, have a good one. And uh, let's go O's, baby. <laughs>